Hello and welcome to a Taylor's Tales podcast. This is Chris's Corner. I'm your host, Chris Taylor, and we're back. Well, I'm back this week with another podcast, a brand new topic. Uh, and this week, let's talk about food. Let's talk about one of the, the great pleasures of life. You and me right now, let's get into it. First thing, let's get into the, some of the, let's, let's draw back the curtains and show the, the nasty definition of food. The nasty definition of food is food is a nutritional substance that animals and humans and beasts eat to be able to gain energy um, and to be able to survive, basically. We all know this. We will consume it on a daily basis. The fun definition of food is it is one of the greatest pleasures of life that can be created for on a day consumed on a daily basis using a mixture of different flavors and textures to produce wonderful concoctions altogether. Um, food altogether provides for me something on a daily basis of can be a little bit boring sometimes repetitive depending on the recipes but sometimes it can just be an absolute game changer in how your day is changed uh, and I wanted to jump into something different uh, mainly because this week sadly you may have noticed there's no guest today that's mainly through um, bad planning on my side not giving people enough time and also not leaving enough time to um, you know to, to get somebody ready uh, and, and jumped here on the podcast. But I wanted to talk about something that is going to be key within this pandemic, going to be key post-pandemic and pre-pandemic. We all have a relationship with food. We all have a relationship um, with how we consume it, how much we consume of it, what type of food you eat, what, how, what diet you follow. There's so many things around it. There's such a large area of our lives that we don't even think about. It's one of those things that people walk around and it's an automatic function. Uh, I'm hungry, eat. You know, the, the phrase hangry got introduced uh, recently, probably over the past, you know, 20 years or so, within the early 2000s to, to now. And I, I, it, it's a weird thing to think about, but, you know, what is a good meal for people? What do, what, sort of satisfies that hunger that gets rid of the hangriness it's all different from perspective i want you to think about this as you're listening to this podcast what you're consuming on a daily basis there's no judgment here it's purely a, a sort of theoretical what are you eating uh, and take every bit of that and think about not whether it's good or bad for me, but how you feel afterwards. How do you feel from your meals? <laughs> Didn't mean to rhyme, but it happened on time. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. I caught too cordy for myself at the moment. Anyway, point being, uh, as, as serious as a point I was going to try and make there, uh, the idea of this sort of practical scenario here is that you start to create this positive relationship with your meals, enjoy them, but at the same time, be conscious of how much you're consuming. There's not a numerical value out there. You know, as I said, in the boring definition of what we talked about earlier, 
there's this sort of a almost I have to hit this mark every day to be able to obtain these results from my body. Or there isn't even a considered amount of calories that you're taking in or energy that you're taking in or food that you're taking in. This is this isn't the fun stuff. So let's 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 change it up a gear. Let's change it out of thinking about your meals on a daily basis. We'll come back to that when we talk about food and fitness and food in life and food in on a day-to-day basis. Let's talk about good meals. What makes a quality meal? We're getting back to that original question. For me personally, a good meal is something that I'm looking forward to. Not only do I look forward to it, I can repeatedly eat it and not feel you know, like I'm going to be tired afterwards or I'm going to have some sort of negative effect. Like, for instance, I would say a good example for me is if I feel like a down, I'm feeling lack of energy. Normally, it's because I've had too much carbohydrates or too much refined sugars. Uh, if I have quite a lot of sugar, then for me, my energy goes from just like all the way up here and it crashes down into the floor. For some people, uh, it can be having too much fat, having too much, um, maybe even too much protein can make you, you know, your kidneys feel a little bit, you know, lower back pain. And uh, there's all sorts of things. Some people react badly to nuts through allergies. Some people react badly to all sorts of things. The idea here is to create that positive meal in your mind. And I'm not saying like, what's the perfect meal for you? Because that's not interesting, is it? Like anyone can say that. The interesting thing is, what in your mind constitutes a good meal? Not what, what's out there in the big wild world, what constitutes for you? So I, th- I think this really links nicely on what would you eat, for instance, on a day-to-day basis? What would you eat if you if it was your last meal? What's, what's that death row meal that you're going to have? Because there's a huge difference for me between my day-to-day meals and my ideal before death meal. My ideal before death meal is crispy shredded beef with egg fried rice, mini vegetable spring rolls and a homemade honeycomb cheesecake for dessert. You know, that's that's me in a nutshell. But what I eat, I wouldn't eat that on a day to day basis. So it's, it's this relationship, isn't it? Where we're like, oh, we love this. But at the same time, you know, that would that would make me huge. I'd be, I'd be I wouldn't be able to fit into this chair if I continue to eat that on a regular basis. <laughs> so. It, you know, I'm, I'm starting to, it, it's taken me, I would say, probably past three years or so to really get a good grip on food. And I remember I, when I was at school, and I don't know about you, you all, all those who are listening, uh, all seven of you, no, I'm just kidding. Um, the, the, whoever's out there, when I was at school, I had food tech, and it, it didn't really educate me on relationship with food or how to create it it did help me so for instance I made meringues and pizza and chili con carne It, it was just an absolute you know range of foods but it didn't teach you that sort of relationship that you're going to have and when I mean that I mean on a day-to-day basis, you're not going to be making meringues, are you? <laughs> you think about that. When are you going to be making, mer- you know, meringues a special occasion? Pizza as well. Pizza is 
glorified throughout the media. I love it. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not knocking it at all. I'm, it's one of my favorite foods, but it, it's glorified through advertisement, through tat- tactically playing it into, you know, every, I would say that it, it's seen on cheat meals. It's seen as like a substance that's not good for you. And I, again, I've, I've been doing this thing over the past month where I'm trying not to label foods like that because I got into the habit of doing so. Uh, we'll get into that as well later. But, but back, to, back to the point, back to the point. What could the education system done in that scenario? Well, instead of talking about how we can make, because it's great to make food, I'm not, I'm not knocking that. I think that it would have been far more interesting to have said, you know, start asking the kids, at that time i would have loved if a real world scenario had been taking place what is in everyone's lunchbox everybody gets it out everybody looks at each other's it's it's a classroom event you're all getting involved it's something real it's something that's there it's unquestionably something that you see on a day-to-day basis we've all had that i mean maybe your mum and dad didn't make the lunch lunch for you maybe you didn't have the time or maybe something along those lines but i know for a fact that you had a meal at lunchtime and even if you're part of the replacement scheme or you got it from the school or anything like that, it would have been fascinating to know what everyone was eating. And the, the teacher could have broken it down and been like, well, you know, you're eating this and maybe you could eat more of this and you may be lacking in minerals here. And maybe you're, you know, I remember going into school knackered some days, just feel wondering why. And I'm a morning person. I've said this multiple times. I am definitely a morning person. I love the mornings. I get up, I have my coffee and it gives me a buzz throughout the day. I have a maximum of two coffees a day and it keeps me going. And it's really important to understand when you're younger that you don't have that unlimited energy because there's a huge comparison, isn't there, where you as a child eat whatever you want and it doesn't really matter. You're just like, burning through through calories you are moving you are grooving you are going out there and you're doing what you want to do but as a teenager I didn't have that I didn't have my mom and dad they made home-cooked meals that was amazing I was so lucky super lucky to have that however it was like you got what you were given and you got what you know there was no other option sort of thing and I had a very sweet tooth growing up. Luckily enough, I, I haven't had any fillings or anything along those lines. I've had teeth taken out when I was younger, but luckily they, they were baby teeth. Um, and so that's another thing as well. Is like, you know, let's break down what's in your lunchbox. How can that affect your teeth? Number one, your brain. Number two, really important because every, everything in life, you know, your, your legs, your arms, your everything is just so that you can keep this ticking. And this and your spiritual body as well are one. So you've got to think to yourself, like, what can I do to maximize by my performance for this and to be able to keep on going? And I think that would have been fascinating to see as a youngster. Let's break apart the macronutrients. Let's let's dive in because it's only now that we're getting taught these things. And I don't think they're they're taught very well. A lot of the people on the internet nowadays who are, you know, let's put it under the fitness category, breaking down the macronutrients and labeling a lot of foods. It's not, it's not helpful. 
they're not qualified for one. I'm definitely not qualified. Number two, that's why I'm not going to be labeling any of it. And that's why I'm not going to be using too many specifics because I'm not qualified. I have a degree in something very specific and I'm going to stick to that specific. You know, I talk about all different things, but it's not my place to put, you know, my voice out there for people to listen to and, and think that that's the right way to go. It's not necessarily out there. Talk to your doctor, talk to people who are qualified, talk to a nutritionist, talk to people who know what they're talking about before we, you know, you do these crazy diets because they may, you know, they, they may change you and you may not like what you see at the end of the day. Um, there's a lot, you know, a lot of questions to be had. Anyway, I'm going off on a rant here as I do. Tangents are my thing, as you know. Uh, and we're going to we're going to stick on this topic of lunchboxes. What else could have, you know, those lessons taught us? Well, it's very easy to blame the school system. They have a limited amount of time. They have a very specific curriculum and not everybody in the classroom is going to be listening to this lecture that I'm talking about. Maybe a few kids may understand it. And I don't know at the time whether I would have at all. So it's it's very hard, number one. And it's, number two, it's it's also structurally difficult to be able to get kids to listen in the first place especially at the age between 11 to um, 16 and that's in in the UK that's the the general sort of age gap between coming from primary school all the way up until you're hitting your GCSEs your your testing time I'm not sure what that's like in the US or in uh, other parts of the world whether there's you know, they call it high school, we call it secondary school, you know, all these differences. But the point being is it's easy to label uh, the secondary schools with the responsibility to do so. I think it's also down to the parents as well to be able to break down. Now, lucky enough, the, the meals that I were given, they were just basic and there was nothing, you know, my mum and dad were very conscious of giving me healthier food. So there wasn't any sugary cereals. Um, <laughs> I had to, uh, for instance, very good example, is do you, do you guys know, if you know Kellogg's and you know Kellogg's cornflakes, and then you also had the opposite, the more sugary version, which was known as Frosties. There's many alternatives in the US and many alternatives in Australia and many alternatives in other English speaking countries. Um, uh, we used to have the cornflakes, which had no sugar in them. And you'd have milk with it, which funny enough, now I realize does have sugar in it. Uh, and at that age, I had no clue. And we used to take a, we had another container which contained the Frosties and we'd put a, a small portion of the Frosties on top of the cornflakes to be able to get, basically for my, my parents to uh, satisfy our sugary need, basically, uh, which is funny to think about it now. But, you know, that's, that's a, a compromise to, uh, to get your kids off your back, basically, at an early age, because uh, God, God knows at the, at the, at the moment, Every, everything is becoming very difficult for parents because you've got teaching from home and all of these other things. And so meals are important. And we have seen these stated recently with Marcus Rashford and his ability to influence the government at the moment to provide free school meals, which is absolutely fantastic. However, it's also been shown in the news that these meals that are being provided now that are sent to home are not nutritionally good. They are terrible in the value for money that they're providing and they're not put well put together. We need to focus and the obesity crisis comes up as well. There's a level of obesity in this country that has never been seen before. It's also because um, sort of refined sugars 
uh, fattier foods, high calorie foods, um, and bas basically anything that's quick and easy to make is, how should I put it? It's not bad for you in small amounts, but if you are continuously assaulting your body with low protein, uh, refined carbohydrates that are just quick shots of energy into your body and, and are immediately flushed out, you will find yourself on a daily basis going up and down in the energy scales and you will be all over the place. You'll be one minute, you'll be feeling high as a kite. Next minute, you'll be feeling like you can't do anything for the entire day. Very important to, like I say, understand why that is in the first place. Because I think that's the point is that people aren't understanding it. There's a, there's a, it's it, like I said, it's so easy to just say, oh, the school should have done this. Oh, the school should have done that. It's not just the schools. Like I say, the parents need to take their kids and make them understand. And for all of that to happen, the parents in the, in the first place need to understand themselves. So it's, it's a whole cycle of either it's a positive cycle in my case, where I've, I've, I've been able to gradually get better. And thankfully, I've, uh, I've learned from my family who have actually seen um, obesity in, in previous uh, parts of, of their family and, you know, and seen cancer and seen um, diabetes in my dad's family. So, so I've been exposed to these areas where, look, this is what happens if you eat too much of this, this is what happens if you um, try to, you know, focus on these food groups. And again, the education around that is very important because it, it can also make you think that I won't have any at all. The, the human brain's very funny in that sense, isn't it? In the sense that we're going to eliminate all of these bad foods immediately in order to get a good effect. It's not the case at all, is it? You've got to think to yourself, let's have a treat. Let's have, like I said, the difference between the meal before death and the meal that you have on a daily basis. We need to bring that gap and shorten it so that people understand that it's not terrible to have this stuff, but it's also can't be done every single day. Let's get that message across. Let's start being positive with the way we express ourselves, but at the same time, not demonize people for trying to be better as well. Don't just, you know, look, if, if you're a man and you are fat shamed, like it's normally in, by your mates and they're doing it out of love normally. And if they're not doing it out of love, they're being dicks. And that I don't like, because that's called bullying. And I don't stand any of that. I know exactly what that's about. That's wrong. It's not okay. And there's, uh, you know, there's a level of toxic sort of, I'm not going to say masculinity because it goes from both genders. That's wrong. I'm not going to even place it in that. My immediate thought is that you need to back off, think about what you're about to say and really think, huh, food. <laughs> Is, is this is this truly, you know, is this truly food I'm putting in my mouth right now? And maybe that person's having a hard time. I got made, you know, I got told recently, made very aware of this, that my demonization of certain foods and 
saying that you know it's easy for people to just get in shape or get get into a into into a a certain lifestyle it's not always easy so what i'm trying to address isn't just for me because it's very easy for me to spread my knowledge of stuff i could just tell you to for instance do what i'm doing at the moment and give you a template and say this is where you start go from here i've seen that done a lot it's not the right way to do it you need to find your own way you need to find that distance I'm talking about between the ideal meal before death and the day-to-day meal. You need to understand that in the first place. So the information is coming from you, not from me, because that association of you having a positive or a negative effect will immediately backlash. You'll be thinking to yourself, well, it's actually Chris who gave me that information. He gave me bad information. I got fat because of what he said. That's, you know, that bugger, you know, it's his fault. Or if there's a positive, it'll be like, oh, Chris gave me this fantastic information. I go, then it's, it's his. I no, let's remove that. So, you know, it's, it's um, something that I recently hear on a, a lot of basis is, oh, I've got a, um, a trainer or a, or a nutritionist or something like that. When I said earlier, speak to a nutritionist, I did mean just speak to them like get an idea of what's good for you and what's bad for you. Don't rely on them. Because if you rely on someone, what's, how are you going to deal with it on your own? Think, think about that one day, that person's not going to be there. And how are you going to deal with your day-to-day meals without them? Hmm? It's very difficult. We see this in celebrities where they do these insane diets. A very good example at the moment, Zac Efron. He went from Baywatch to dad bod within the space of six months. It's very hard. I imagine for him, mentally speaking, that must be absolutely destructive. We're trying to find that, shorten that distance and find that middle ground. Anyway, let's let's move into something a little less, you know, serious and a little bit more fun. I'll just chuck a couple of facts in here just to lighten the mood a little bit from me lecturing and uh, feeling like this is uh, your dad coming down on you after he catches you having five donuts and uh, <laughs> some Snickers. Uh, you know, that, that we've all been there. We've all been there. Uh, so you've got the, the most expensive pizza in the world costs $12,000. Crazy, $12,000. Thousand dollars for a pizza, mate. With twelve grand, I could travel the world and not even think about it and have the best time ever. Uh, twelve grand, my God, that pizza! I mean, they, in the article I read about this, they justified it by saying it was made. It took seventy-two hours to make, and then they said, "Oh, there was all these, you know, calamari and all these things." I don't give give a damn how, how many things are on this pizza. I tell you right now, if you told me twelve grand. It's like these people who go to, you know, when they get wealthy and rich and they just eat out all the time. I'm just like, my goodness, sir, have you not heard of Aldi? <laughs> Don't waste money like that. My goodness. I think that's one thing is, is really important as well when it, when it comes down to food, a relationship with how much you're spending. So for me personally, I spend around £30 a week on food. Um, and that is normally the average I do. That for, for me is just for me. That's just food that I eat. And I'd like to point out that I do eat a lot more than 
probably the average person I'm eating like three or four meals and you know most people have three three meals a day and then I'll have three or four with snacks included um, and they're a little bit more expensive because sometimes I'll have steaks and some salmon and uh, I don't know you know maybe, maybe it's not average you know I think that's another thing is that relationship with buying something because it's expensive and not being able to afford the healthy food but I, I get here I get I hear this in the news a lot I don't think that's you know fruit and veg right you compare the price of a packet of sweets to fruit and veg so let's say we get some squashy drums some squashies you know the drummies the ones with like the pink and white and they taste great and they're just lovely you can eat them all in one go within the space of five minutes it's very easy however the nutritional value of that you know it's don't get me wrong you can do that but you are going to get that crash i talked about well maybe you're not maybe you don't get those crashes and you're not like me again i'm gonna reel myself in here reel myself in i'm not going to tell you guys something that's affecting me that's that, that could affect you and uh, in a very different way but point being is for the same price of 99 pence i'm pretty sure that you can get yourself um, so, oh, a big bag of rice, number one. You can get yourself a big bag of rice, replace those carbs with something else. Um, Meat-wise, here's the difficult thing. 99 pence. You ain't going to get yourself some... I can, I'm thinking chicken, right, for a kg, for, for, for a kg of chicken. It's normally around £3.50. Um, and that's, you know, it's a pretty good price normally from my perspective. But for a bag of sweets... You know, that, that difference, you can get yourself some rice, you can get yourself some carbohydrates, some fruit and veg, you can get fruit and veg. You can't get the strawberries, for instance, fresh strawberries, normally around £2 around that time or one pound fifty. Um, you can get yourself some blueberries, but they're pound fifty as well. So you'd have to look into the vegetables section. So broccoli, you can get yourself, definitely get you some broccoli for under a pound. You can get yourself some tomatoes definitely get tomatoes you can definitely get potatoes as well sweet potatoes very good nutritional value again very, a lot of carb sources but better carb sources you see what i mean i don't mean again i'm using an adjective of better i mean better in the sense of a lot of those day-to-day -day meals let's say you have the drummies right have the drummies it's fine have it it's friday evening treat yourself enjoy scenario great you've done that don't buy five bags of those because that comes to five pounds and we go from five pounds. And I said earlier, three pound 50 for those, <laughs> for, for that chicken, you can definitely get chicken for that. And then you can leave that one pound 50, get yourself some rice and some veg. Boom. You got yourself one of those day-to-day -day meals and that that's killer. So I think that's one of the really important things there I've highlighted is look, sweet, easy to eat quick. I get it. Bingo. We all like one of those days, one or two of those days a week where we're feeling like, nah, I can't be bothered. It's fine. Don't feel bad about it. Don't, don't even, if someone ever like criticizes you, right, for having one of those off meals, and I've done this, and I feel like a, a right, you know, numpty for doing so. But don't react. Don't, don't react. Don't, don't. I think that's what they're looking for. They're looking for, and I know my, you know, it's, it's out of a place of love from me personally, normally, but it, you know, that's not what you're doing. You're, you're basically attacking someone. Um, 
And so it's important to try and you know, address that you don't give them a reaction. Don't give them anything to go on. Just move on. Do what you can do. Enjoy yourself. Hopefully they get it. If they don't, well, guess they're not on your uh, roadmap. And in that case, don't worry about it. Anyway, moving on. So we've talked about having a negative and positive effect with food. Let's, let's move into diets. Let's move into these quick, <laughs> get fit quickly. I've been there. Don't get me wrong. I, I did keto, keto, the ketogenic diet for, I think I did it for a total of around a year. I want to say a year. And I didn't do like the, the proper ketogenic diet. I should properly address by saying I did more of a low carb diet because I did like high fat and I didn't do it properly. I did have like a lot of cheeses, a lot of bacon, a lot of saturated fats that probably weren't good for me. I did have the avocados. I did have the nuts. I did eat and I lost a lot of weight. However, so I did that, did that for a year. And then I came back and I uh, from a holiday that I went on and I realized that I'd lost a load of weight on the holiday because I wasn't eating enough then. And I was like, oh man, I need to bulk up and get bigger. And I went the complete opposite way. I went from, eat and the only difference between the diet and going to a on to the standard, what I would class as the um, muscle building slash fitness influencer diet where you're eating, you know, high, high protein and high ca carbohydrates and then medium to low fat um, is that I was eating higher calories with the carbohydrates and the, and the proteins and it, they were relatively clean but that's the difference the diets um you know they don't i mean in the case of keto it's gonna it did lose a lot of water weight for me for instance so i looked really lean and like quite shredded but it's like i think you can get the same way person i've i've got like right now i'm I'm in quite good shape for myself. So I'm, I'm feeling positive there, but it's gone through finding that middle ground that I'm talking about where you have that balance between having a couple of, you know, meals that are instant gratification meals. And then you've got those other meals where you're just like, you know, it's just normal. Uh, I think that chicken, broccoli and rice has been demonized at least recently by the fitness industry. And I don't think there's anything wrong with chicken and broccoli and rice. You know, you can you can get, I, I know it's boring. People are like, oh, it's boring. So don't, again, don't take it to extremes like we're just eating that only. I'm talking about having that for one meal of your, you know, standard meal day. If you're like me, I say you're a vegetarian, it's fine. Let's replace that. You got, instead of going for chicken, broccoli and rice, you could t change that to tofu, I would, I would actually reduce the amount of rice, uh, increase the amount of broccoli to increase the protein. And I would go for some beans, some red beans, some kidney beans. I'd get in some quinoa instead of the rice as well. And I'd get in some tasty, tasty, uh, some really fresh salsa or something like that to give it some flavor uh, and to, to up it all. But, you know, for me personally, I'm not vegetarian. I'm not vegan. So... And I know there's a lot of people out there who probably say, Chris, you should be, you're not helping the environment. Uh, you know, to, to those, yeah, maybe, maybe so. I, 
I, I, I have a bit of a quarrel when it comes down to vegetarianism and, and, and veganism. Not that I don't think it's a good idea. I think the morals are right in the, are in the right place. Just like when people um, do any diet, there's a uh, there's a definite, you know, they're doing it from from a, a place of love normally and a place of trying to be a better person, and that's lovely. But the statistics that I've heard don't necessarily back the change. So everyone who says, oh, everyone should be vegan and we can save the planet, it's too much of a blanket statement. If it works for you, fantastic, continue. Like I said, I just I just changed the meal plan back then a second ago in seconds, just by thinking it off the top of my head, by thinking of some healthy foods that you can change up. That would have worked for me if I was in that position. Doesn't mean it's going to work for you. You've got to find those foods that you love. Find those foods that are on a day-to-day basis. I'll give you an example. If I want to switch that chicken up for something a little bit more, uh, got more flavor, I'm going to chuck in some lean sausage or I'm going to chuck in some you know, steak and replace some of the others. There's so many alternatives. And I think it's really important to not feel like you're restricting yourself. You should feel full after these meals. Find what works for you. Find what, you know, these diets, right? They're called diets for a reason because, you know, the, we all have a diet that we're on, for instance. Diet isn't, you know, there's a, there's a mixed connotation of the word. It has multiple meanings. The meaning I'm talking about is diet as in we all have the consistent consumption of food on a day-to-day basis. A diet is, is the food that you can eat on the day-to-day basis. A diet in the other connotation of the word or the meaning of the word can be considered um, like you're going on a low, lower calorie, a type of eating that will help you lose weight or is increased for fat loss. It's quite a negative word used in society at the moment. I think that we need to remove that and think to ourselves, like, you know, do you want to go on a diet or do you want to find some way of you living a healthier lifestyle? Lifestyle's the word I'm looking for because lifestyle includes the word life for life. For life. Think, think it with me now. Like I said earlier, we can't just blame other people. We can't blame the schools. We can't blame our parents all the time. There's some responsibility. We've got to be do this for a life. It's not just going to be do this diet for a month and all of a sudden you're going to get ripped, lean and, you know, big. There's also that ability to enjoy your food. So let's, let me switch it up right now. One of, one of the questions that I've seen floating around the internet that, that I've seen a few people do is who would you have for a meal out or dead or alive? What, a person who you'd have for dinner or to cook for you, um, dead or alive? My immediate answer is Anthony Bourdain. And you all know that I've read his books and I'm a big fan. Uh, and if you don't know, I am a huge fan and so sad the way he passed away and so sad that he's not around today because he his uh, love for food and his dedication to prescribing it as a way for taste 
to be a new flavor into your life. And I don't want to sound cheesy and corny, but I am. It is cliche for a reason the way I'm saying these things, because they work. He made cooking an art. And I know it sounds like it's quite tacky the way I'm putting it, but the man, he went out there. He went out there. He went to different countries. He he chose to jump into different sort of, you know, into different cultures. I love that, man. That's exactly what I want to do. I want to go out there and find some new food, you know? I don't want to just say I went to Thailand and had some pad thai. That's basic bitch stuff. I want to say that I ate a fish off off a a spike, which I did, and uh, from some strange guy (laughs) who had a barbecue. You know, do those things that, that make you, like, whoa, that's crazy, man. You did what? Did you get sick? And I'll be like, yeah, I did. And they'll be like, what? (laughs) And that's it, man. Like, that's all it is. It's bringing that wow sometimes. What I just described a minute ago, day-to-day stuff, it gets boring. Spice it up a little bit. Go travel. Go find some food that's different to, you know. I think uh, one of my favorite comedians talks about food as if, you know, it's, it's one pleasure. And I understand that, believe me, I really do. Um, you know, you get pizza from from New York and you get pizza from Italy and, and some people will say one's better than the other, but actually it's just a different type. You know, you get different things from different places like sorbets and, and different sort of gelatos from Italy. And you get from France, you have a different type of bread. You know, the pan, the pan becomes a completely different, you know, meal to itself. And Germany does sausage different and different sort of beers and different sort of alcohols. I mean, there's crazy diversity out there. One, you know, I haven't even tasted Eastern European food yet. Need to get out there, need to go. And, you know, once this pandemic's over, I'll be definitely traveling to through Germany and do some some Eastern European countries because that's, you know, it, it, it's an absolute travesty that I haven't done that so far. But... Another thing, you know, sushi. One of my um, colleagues I worked with at my previous company, he said, Chris, sushi in this country is despicable compared to, to what you have in Japan. And it made me laugh every time because obviously, you know, he's tasted it. It's the quality of the fish is different out there because they're getting it fresh and they're getting, the, you know, they're making it and it's by some of the top, top, top sort of chefs out there. However, some people may like the sushi here so you know that there's that balance of like you know let's not make people feel terrible for, for not being able to go to japan and experience that amazing fish uh but like i said anthony bourdain would be fascinating to you know what i wouldn't even ask him to cook i would just want to have a conversation while we eat and him to tell me the way to the way to eat and the way to you know my my, my mad brain my immediate thought processes that oh we'd be sat around a campfire in the sahara desert and he'd have a one of his lambs on the rack and it'd be like when he uh, had his story of how he traveled into the african tribe and he said i must have lamb on a on a a steak uh, on a um a spit and we must eat it together it must fall off the bone and it's and he went into the village and there were none and he he gave the villagers money to be able to find one and this whole process and i you know i'd love to have been there and seen that but i didn't and i wasn't there wasn't but in my mad monkey mind it would be a beautiful thing to be sat him with there having just a chit chat about anything chatting about life asking about his experiences 
trying to get, you know, I think it was, and Robin Williams, you know, another person who embodied joy in his life. In his acting career, he said to suck the marrow out of life in his movie um, with, oh, it's, it's going to run away from me. I know the quote, but I don't know the movie name. It's terrible. But anyway, he said that. And it, it's important to understand that, you know, live for today and find that joy. And I think food is one of those things. And this is why I find it important to find that relationship where you, you, you love that food, but you also want to love yourself and your body and your mind. And so, you know, one thing I'm doing at the moment is I'm doing some intuitive eating. I've taken a break off calorie counting. I'm just doing a month without protein powder. I'm going to see how my body reacts. I'm sticking to some clean eating during the week. And then on Friday and Saturday, I have a treat. So like I say, I'll have some sweets and some, uh, some chocolate. And, you know, I'll think, I won't think about, I'll make a pizza and I won't think about it. And I will be like, that's cool. And for me, it works. And that's my way of dealing with the withdrawal as you would at the sugar withdrawal during the week. But you've got to find your own path. You've got to form that ability to battle with your body on a daily basis and also be able to enjoy the food you're eating. Um, I'm not going to give you specifics. I'm not going to say get a high protein or a high whatever diet. It's not, not, it's not the way. You've got to figure it out for yourself. Um, but like I said, with Anthony Bourdain, he, he didn't even think about food in a calorie count or anything like that. He just wanted to enjoy the food. And if that's your way of living it, do it. But don't get, you know, he also found himself as a smoker and a drinker, and he wasn't happy with his body at the end of it all. And it, had, it took him doing jujitsu and cleaning up his act at the end of his life before he figured out, oh, you know, I've, I've abused my body horrendously. So it's important to have that balance. And even he said that, the man of pleasure and love for, and for, for the amazing thing that is food. So another fun fact, I know I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, take some seriousness and take some joy out of, of these. But um, yeah, one, one fast food burger contains uh, more than 200 different cows sometimes. How crazy is that? Like different cows, different meats. It's like, this is why I have fast food very little. Not only because I'm in the middle of nowhere, but also because um, even if I am, I try and limit my takeaway consumption to, to an absolute minimum. Uh, because there's also how they make it. You know, you do not want to know what people do with their hands on a daily basis in those restaurants. I don't want to know what they do. I don't even want to think about what people do when they're not wearing gloves. You know, I think Anthony Bourdain said that if you see a chef treating like if is if the bar's dirty and the kitchen is not kept clean, then think about what he's doing to your food that he's cooking for you. And I love that because if you think to yourself that like you go into a restaurant, you see that it's not well kept or it's not clean. And then you it's most likely that the owner has a disrespect for how he treats your food as well. So really think about that. And, you know, you know, have some self-respect, you know. 
<laughs> don't don't go abusing your body with food that you know could be cooked by an absolute you know savage <laughs> um yeah that's it i think yeah there's negative connotations and then there's positive connotations and one of the things that i've avoided saying today is cheat days something that i've seen a used a word yeah I get it. I used to say it a lot as well. But I don't know, man. It's probably not a good thing to say. I get that you shouldn't do like, uh, you know, I don't care about my diet and I'm just going to let myself fall apart. But I, I also don't think that you should be so like, oh, I've got my cheat day this weekend. I can finally eat stuff that I actually enjoy. Like, nah, bro. But also don't go the opposite way and just consume like low calorie foods because there's some low calorie stuff out there that's just pure chemicals um so yeah there's there's two ways about it and uh it's not just black and white there is definitely gray in between um and so don't think of it as a cheat day think of it as a way for you to allow yourself a break and to readjust and to reconfigure so that you can tackle the next week and go in hard and feel good doing so because that's it it's about like i said up here suck the marrow out of life feel good up here, kick ass and take names and enjoy some food. That's it. Let's end on that message. That's positive. That's how we want it here. Enjoy your food. Find ways to keep this ticking. That's it. This has been a Taylor's Tales podcast. This is Chris's Corner. I'm your host, Chris Taylor. And as always, I hope to see you here next week. Thank you and bye.